0: Hello and welcome. This is the Bariatric Eating Real Talk podcast, and I'm Susie Shaw. If you're new to our podcast, Bariatric Eating is more than just talk. We support nearly a million post-ops in our Facebook-based support groups, which you can join if you like after you listen. I'll tell you where to find us at the end of the episode. We've created the most successful plan for bariatric regain on the planet. There's not a doctor's program or hospital plan or anybody who has addressed regain and the regain crisis with anywhere near our success rate. Thousands of people have used our Inspired Diet along with our help and our support to take their lives back, even when it seemed like things were hopeless. Those who help you in our groups are post-ops. We've had regain, so we know how it feels, but we've also lost that regain, and we can help you find your way back into those smaller clothes in your closet. We have specific tools for you. We'll help you set goals, create food lists, and even help you with what meals to eat. We have our own product line too, so we go beyond just ideas and help you in real time with real tools that really help. Our support is made up of people who are just like me, and collectively, we have spent the past 20 years helping post-ops lose regain and learn to change their habits so that the weight stays off for good, and I'm pretty sure we can help you too. So let's get started. You can't fall off track if you never got on the track in the first place. And this is something that really needs to be said. Stop saying that you got off track unless it's been days or longer since you ate according to plan. Claiming that you're off track when you made one conscious choice to eat off plan immediately puts you in a defensive place. Even if you're also following that statement up with a sentence about how you're getting back on track immediately. The truth is that you can't fall off off of something that you commit to doing repeatedly. And that means living a lifestyle that includes more vegetables, more water, more movement, more sleep, more rest, more you time. That's the commitment you need in your life, not just the diet. All of those things make up a healthy person. And that commitment doesn't need to be perfection. Remember, you're learning as you go. This is a whole new lifestyle for you. And one of those learning events needs to be how to manage life. And sometimes life presents us with choices that may give us the option where we might need to make a temporary deviation from our plan. But it's a one-time thing, not an excuse to go off the rails for a weekend or longer. You have to start focusing on a lifestyle that you don't get off track from because it works for you. And how does that come to happen? You get to that point by working on habits and routines that serve the goals you have created for yourself. It isn't something that's figured out all at once. It isn't something that's done perfectly forever as soon as you understand what you need to do. You have to work on it. You need to create a routine and build up some habits that work for you and that work for a reason so that you can stick to the flow of this change that you want. And if I'm being really, really honest, and I always like to be as honest as possible with you guys, failing in those early stages of change is actually really important. Many of us seem to learn a little bit faster when we stumble a bit and make those mistakes. You just have to get used to admitting the struggle, admitting that you made a choice, whatever that choice is, and being honest with yourself and using it as a learning experience, not to repeat, not as uh, like an excuse to victimize yourself for falling off the track. It was just one choice, just one. That one choice doesn't mean that you failed. That means that you made a choice. You consciously made a choice. And now your next conscious choice is going to be getting right back on playing with your very next meal not using as an excuse to keep screwing up the plan. So right now I want to talk about some basic habits that you should be creating while you're working on getting to goal. And the first one seems like a no-brainer. Stop overeating. It can absolutely be overcome if you make the choice to do it. And by overeating here, I'm not just talking about giant plates of food. I'm talking about grazing in between meals. I'm talking about having multiple snacks throughout the day in between your meals. I'm talking about that that point in time where you're cleaning up the dinner plates and you take a bite of whatever's left on your kids' plates because it's only just one bite of food. Or um, all that snacking that you're doing at night. Or if you're waking up in the middle of the night and eating. And I'm going to add right now because this is actually a significant issue that's reported on a regular basis in both our Facebook groups and in our premium support group. So don't be embarrassed if you do that too and you feel like I just called you out. If you're eating at a meal time until you feel physically uncomfortable at every single meal, you're overeating. Remember, too, that you're overeating if you find that you're tasting so much while you're cooking that you aren't hungry when you sit down to eat, but you eat anyways. That's overeating. We've talked about this at length, and this is why regain is so hard to overcome and why it's so common even before people figure out how to lose or regain, they point to the fact they went back to bad habits as being the regain the reason that they regained. And those habits are often linked to how much and how often they're eating. And if you need more help with this, um, episodes 18, 19, and 20 of this podcast series, in that specific order, and yes, all three of them, I know that's a lot to listen to, but they really build on this concept of habits and and how to kind of Um, create new ones and provide actual tools and ways for you to overcome this. So take a listen to those if you're struggling with those things. But my point is you've got to stop eyeballing portions, taking a bite of this and that every every time you see food, and start getting real with yourself about how much you're eating and how often you're eating. Even if it's one bite or liquid calories, those add up faster than people realize. Number two, move forward with your regain weight loss one moment at a time. And I want you to notice that I said moment and not day, not even hour. You've got to break it down and start taking it one step, up, one step at a time. Build that momentum that we've talked about in other episodes. Remember that baby steps to change still equals a change. If you're going to do this, the only way that you're actually going to be able to be successful is if you do it one change at a time. You cannot fail if you stick with it. We've said that over and over again because It's true. Sticking with the plan with consistency over a long period of time, that's what gets you to goal, and that's what keeps you there. You can do this. Just focus on what's happening now, right this moment, and avoid the destination addiction that we've talked about before in episode 11. And if you haven't listened to that, you really should. Because too many people get tied up on goal and forget to take it by today or that moment. Number three, get your house in order. Don't surround yourself with temptation by buying cookies and candies or whatever junk for the kids or your grandkids or your husband or whatever you tell yourself. We go over this almost every episode. It's time to start telling yourself the truth. And please don't give us lines like, oh, it's only 12 chips and I exercise every day. Because if those 12 chips were working for you, you'd be losing the weight you say you want to lose. If those 12 chips worked, you wouldn't have regained in the first place. If it worked, Whatever you're justifying, having that stuff in the house, buying it for them, whatever, if that worked for you, you would have gotten to gold the first time and stayed there. The simple fact is that you cannot control yourself around those foods. Otherwise, you wouldn't be fighting the cravings you have. And we know you feel like it's a food addiction that's causing these issues. So it's time to take some action and stop the excuses. No temptation means no problem, Right? You have to recognize that there's no junk food that anyone needs or deserves. And that includes things like a, a pot of pasta or rice or whatever, hamburger buns. Your kids and your husbands and your whoever's in the house with you, they don't need those cookies and chips and whatever else you're justifying any more than you do. You've got to lead by example. Buy healthy, eat healthy. If they want the junk, they can get it themselves. And if they bring that junk into the house, you have got to stand up, take some personal responsibility, and tell yourself that that's not your food. You didn't buy it. You didn't bring it home. You don't get to eat it. It's not yours. But stop enabling their path to weight loss surgery. Remember, obesity isn't something that happens in a bubble. It happens in families. Break that cycle because you aren't the only one in the house that deserves to be healthy. Number four is you've got to learn to be honest. We're constantly playing games with ourselves. And a lot of us get to be in a kind of a state of serious denial about why we were heavy or why we're not losing weight, why we regained. And I know that's harsh, but it's the truth. If you've said your knees or your back were the reason that you gained 25 pounds or that you don't eat a lot, you don't understand where all this weight's not... Um, where all this weight came from or why it's not melting off of you or that your medication makes you eat more it's an excuse and yeah it may be true your knees may hurt you may be on medication that makes you hungry but the bottom of that story is that you didn't deal with the inability to exercise and you didn't deal with the hunger that your medication was causing in a smart way exercise makes you healthy and strong it can help you lose weight faster but honestly, it's what you do the other 23 hours of the day that's way more important than that one hour that, at the gym that you may or may not be getting in. So remember that while you may have wanted to make a better choice on some level, the fact is that your habits failed you because you let them. Even if it was medication causing that hunger, you still reached for cookies or chips or something else instead of a low calorie option to keep you full. And that's why we're here to f- help you. We're here to help you learn how to do it differently so that when those knees act up or that you're prescribed um, steroids again or you get some really bad, devastating news that stresses you out, you can get through it without gaining weight. It's 100% possible. But you have to be honest with yourself about what you are doing, what you are thinking, and what you really want. And yes, that applies to even when you're stressed out, even when you're depressed, even when you're hurting, when you're sad, whatever. And I want you to remember this too it's okay not to want to lose weight. We're still with you. We will still support you in maintaining your weight no matter what that weight is. If your weight right now is 300 pounds and you're happy there, we support you. If you want to get down to 110 pounds and that's an appropriate weight for your height, we support you. What I'm saying here or trying to say, and I think I'm struggling a little bit with it, be the weight that you want to be. If you want to lose weight, lose weight. If you don't want to lose weight, just be honest with yourself about that and just celebrate where you are right now. So for the next one, this one's a little bit shorter, but um, it's no excuses. You've got to stop making excuses. Rem- recognize that you can stick to the program and successfully lose weight no matter what your home, your social, your business or school lives might be. Even if you're doing all of those things, if you're working, if you're a wife, if you're a mother and you're going to school, whatever your situation may be, it's not going to be easy. Losing weight is, easy, is not easy for anybody, but it's certainly not impossible No one's saying that you're going to float to goal because you decide that you're going to get there and that you bought the Inspire Diet or whatever method you're choosing to use. But the excuses that you make today are what's going to prevent your progress tomorrow. So no more excuses. Own your choices. Take responsibility for them. If you go off plan, don't blame others around you. Don't blame circumstances. Consider that there's no blame needed. You just made a choice to eat something that was off plan. Own it. Move on with the very next meal. Remember that unless you spend the next six months off plan, it shouldn't be that big of a deal if you only, had, only did one thing bad. If you only went off plan, I'm not even saying it's bad. If you went off plan one time, it's not that big of a deal. Move forward with the very next meal. And it's okay to do this. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not a failure. As long as you're smart and not throwing the rest of your day in the trash. Learn from your actions. Do not be a victim to them. Okay, so this next one, um, this one's a little bit longer, and um, it really needs to be said. So I'm just going to start off with it. Um, You have to recognize that your non-food choices add up. And I'm speaking about something very specific here. We're not the group, we're not the website, we're not the company who would tell a post-op never to drink. As long as you're one year out from surgery or more, as long as you're responsible when you do drink, we support those who choose to drink alcohol. Having said that, the last couple months, there's been a little bit of an uptick of people struggling to lose weight in our support groups and saying that the only time that they're going off plan is when they have a few glasses of wine on the weekends. And yes, it's true. There are calories in wine. There's actually some other issues with drinking alcohol and wine and cocktails that are a little bit bigger than just the calories. It's not so simple as calories when um, you're trying to lose weight and you're also drinking. The first one, and this is really the biggest one, I think, Um, well, not the biggest one, but this is the first one that most people notice. It's that your mood is greatly impacted by alcohol. Even drinking as little as once or twice a week can impact your brain chemistry. And that will, of course, directly impact your energy levels and your mood, which is why some people feel a little bit sleepy after drinking or like really, really relaxed. And by um, after drinking, I mean in the next day, you wake up kind of a little bit foggy, um a little bit lethargic feeling. Um, it's also why, despite feeling sleepy, the nights that you do drink, you really can't sleep well. Like you wake up in the middle of the night and you just, you just can't get back to sleep. It really interrupts our sleep patterns. And this applies to even one glass of wine or a simple shot of vodka with a lot of diet tonic. Not just like a row of shots and a six pack of beer, like heavy drinking. This is even moderate, very light drinking that can do this. It really doesn't take much alcohol to impact us negatively. So um, if you find yourself drinking on Saturday night on your patio while you, you're, you're grilling your healthy dinner and then having a drink on Sunday and not really wanting to get up and exercise on Monday morning or make your lunch before work on Monday, it could be those, those cocktails, even that, those two glasses of wine that are crushing your motivation and impacting your brain chemistry, not that you lack the drive to exercise. It's just that your brain chemistry isn't functioning normally because of the alcohol. Now, while we're chatting with this, I also want to talk about some other facts people don't realize when it comes to drinking, and that um, it can really impact your digestion and your nutrient absorption. Even a little bit, like I said, just small amounts, one or two glasses, tends to cause a small amount of stress on your stomach and intestines, and this will slow everything down inside your digestive tract and make it really tricky for your body to absorb what it needs and to do its job to rid itself of the waste that it doesn't need. Now, this is why after a night of drinking, many of us have a really upset tummy, like we just kind of feeling nauseated, not feeling good. Um, Maybe you need to spend an extra couple minutes in the bathroom. Um, But we also feel a little bit bloated. We notice we've got a little bit of water weight. We feel swollen. We just don't feel right. And because this is such like a, a change to such, something as, as big as our digestive tract, it actually takes the body days to recover from this. So even if you get right back on trail the next day, or even if the drinks, like the one glass of wine was the only time you went off plan, it could take your body three or four days to go back to normal. And for you to see um, some weight loss from that bloating or that water weight, um, or just from following the plan, because your body just needs to recover. So I want you to think about this and I've got a specific example of what people would consider low amounts of like social drinking, very, very moderate drinking. So on a Friday after work, you go out with your friends to kind of blow off some steam and to vent and you have one drink, a, a vodka tonic, and you make them make sure that they use diet tonic and that they make it like really, really heavy on the tonic and light on the vodka, like a tall glass with lots of tonic. And it takes you hours to finish this, that drink, because you're taking it easy. You don't want to drink too much. Then at dinner on Saturday night, you have a glass of wine. And then on Sunday morning, because this is the first time in ages everything's kind of opening up from the, from the quarantine, and the lockdown, you meet friends for Sunday brunch and you have a mimosa with your best friends. Um, it's really not a horrible amount. We're talking about three drinks. It's not indicative of, a, of an alcohol problem or any sort of issue. And honestly, all of your food choices added up to being on plan. You still ate low-carb foods, low-fat. You stuck with the plan, no junk food, nothing. You didn't even overeat. So on Monday morning, you wake up, and you get back on track with your exercise and your meal tre- prepping, and you don't drink again until Friday night because there's another happy hour after work. Um... But you have to understand that it could take your body until Thursday to get back to normal feeling. So even though you start getting back on track on Monday, no more drinking, you're following the plan to a tee, no issues, your body's in recovery mode for days. And then you're going to start that cycle again on Friday night after work, meaning that you're giving it not even a full two days on track where it can really dial in. And by it, I mean your body, but where your body really dials in and drops fat before the weekend starts again. And this is why most diets, and I'm I'm talking about everything, Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, our diet, most of them will tell you, stop drinking while you're trying to lose weight. They don't recommend it at all. It's not so much the calories. I mean, the calories do add up and they they can cause a lot of other problems. I'm going to go into another one in a minute. But it's the impact to your body, how long it takes your body to recover. That's what the issue is. It just stops your body from being able to lose the weight. Now, I also want to mention that alcohol also impacts hormones in our body that helps you with all of your medical metabolic processes, including muscle growth. And as I said before, fat burning. So if you're drinking and then hitting the gym the very next day, thinking that you're being smart, yes, you are smart for adding movement and keeping up with your regular routine. But your body's literally scrambling to recover and it can't progress with fat loss or leaning and toning in that sort of state. It's going through the motions with you and you're not hurting it, but you're not getting the benefit out of it that you want. So I also want you to keep in mind too that that classic beer belly that is a lot of people think is kind of a stereotype of like heavy drinkers and stuff like that. It's not just a stereotype. Alcohol is high in simple sugars and it will cause rapid weight gain if you don't, if you don't... um, you know, keep an eye on it if you drink too much. Um, we don't all gain in the same place, not always in our bellies, but many people who drink regularly seem to notice that their bellies and their bodies all over, their faces, their arms, their fingers, they have a roundness and a softness, kind of a fluffiness that wasn't there before. And this is sort of a no-brainer, this last part, but it impairs your judgment. And again, it's no news to anybody that alcohol, you know, impacts the way we can drive and, and, and do a lot of different activities, But it can also make it really easy for you to to snack and to overeat or to drink more than you intended to. I know for me, the issue is when I drink, it's not the drink. It's, It's that I get really, really snacky. And I'll throw all of my good habits out the window and overeat and drink more than I intended to. And I want to repeat myself again, because we are not saying never to drink. That's unrealistic. If you drank before surgery, it's going to be really hard for you never to drink after surgery. Many of us do enjoy drinking in social situations, and many of us can do so without issue, okay? But what we are saying here is that you need to be aware of the choice that you make when you do drink, and that while it's the only thing that you did that wasn't on plan, your body may not get that memo, and you could be making it way harder on yourself to lose your regained weight if you choose to drink on a regular basis. So if you're trying to lose a regain, think about dialing it back. Try sparkling water. Try anything, um, anything that comes to you, or have a drink and just move forward. It's your choice, but just understand the choice that you're making when you do choose to drink. And lastly, I want to talk about the scales, okay? Because the scale really throws people off track, but many don't realize that it's the scale throwing them off track. And a lot of you are already thinking of something that I'm actually going to challenge with this thought. But, um, one of our most controversial articles talks about the need to weigh yourself daily, And I'll tell you where to find the article at the end of this episode. But as a teaser, it has a lot to do with being honest about your situation. So kind of to to be short and give you a little bit of a spoiler, when you were losing weight right after surgery, you were getting on that scale every day, weren't you? It's one of those things that everyone really enjoys. Oh, down another pound, down another two pounds every single day. And it's so gratifying and so wonderful. But then things kind of slow down. And maybe your choices weren't always on point, but you mentioned it to somebody and they said, oh, the scale lies. You can't, you can't weigh every day. Don't do that. It's just messing with your head. And a lot of people follow that advice and they only weigh weekly, which often leads to weighing never because even though you're checking in once a week, your body isn't a machine. Your body's going to fluctuate and your body isn't going to get the memo that Sunday or whatever day you pick to weigh in is the day that you weigh in. So weighing in daily is huge for personal accountability. You've got to see that number every day. But in addition to that, weighing yourself daily will also help you make peace with what your mind seems to think will happen when you start losing weight again. You see, one of the biggest things that no one talks about and trips everyone up is that during our initial stages as a a post-op, we're dropping a pound or more daily. Now, we've said this before, and we'll say it again. No matter how hard you are working in that first year, it's not you. It's the surgery. People in our groups who couldn't get to goal and those who got to goal and regained can attest to the fact that your surgery is absolutely driving that bus for at least the first year. And if you're lucky, the first year and a half. So by the time you regain, or at least by the time you get to goal that you didn't reach initially and start losing that regain, your body just doesn't respond in the same way. You may shed a ton of weight in that first two weeks. But it typically levels off and gets to be kind of a slow and steady kind of way of life. And when most people see that the scale isn't moving down a pound or more every day, it's crushing. They really think that they're doing something wrong, so they give up and do nothing. And eventually they gain even more weight. But that's how it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be rapid weight loss as fast as it was leaving you right after your surgery. And I'm also not saying that you need to be losing slowly because of your skin, um, because loose skin is going to happen or not. It's your genes and your age, not how fast or slowly you lose the weight that dictates your amount of loose skin. But anyways, um, that weight loss is just how the body works. Like I said earlier, it's, your body's not a machine. It's going to fluctuate. There's going to be days when you lose two or three pounds. There's going to be days when you're up two or three pounds. There's no shame in either of those numbers. It's that average of at the end of the week, at the end of seven days, at the end of two weeks, how much did you lose? That's all it is. It's just a number. So there are also no slow losers, even during that honeymoon phase. If you're losing weight, you need to be celebrating and recognizing, and it doesn't matter how long it takes you to get to goal, how long it takes you to lose one pound, to lose four pounds, or how long it takes you to get back to goal. What matters is that you lose weight consistently enough and that you learn to stay there. So stop beating yourself up. Stick with the Inspire Diet. Stick with it daily. Monitor your weight daily so that you can start learning to see how your body responds to your life. Understand that your body isn't a machine and get to know it. Remember that every moment counts because every moment adds up to success. And you absolutely deserve that success. So with that, I'm going to close here because I gave a lot to think about, I think. Um, but I want to thank you so much for listening. I also want to urge you to take my words to heart. Come join us in our premium support group. Um, in that group, we have so much accountability. It's just off the charts crazy. We'll hold your hand. We'll help you through this. We've been there and we want you to, to succeed. We can also always be found on our website, www.bariatric Once you're there, do a keyword search for podcasts, and you can find all the episodes listed with show notes for each one. For this episode, I'm going to link our Inspire diet. It's a great way to get back on track and have food not be such a source of stress. I'll link to our premium support group. And the article I mentioned earlier about why weighing yourself daily is important. And if you have a question that you'd like me to answer or um, something to tackle in an upcoming episode, please send me an email at ask, that's A-S-K, at bariatricheating.com. Just to remind you, we aren't just talk. Our articles, recipes, and our website have been helping post-ops for nearly 20 years. And it's going to help you too. So please come check out our website. Don't forget to review and subscribe to our podcast so that you're always updated as soon as episodes are available. And please... If you've enjoyed today's episode, pass it on to someone you think may also find it helpful. And I'll talk to you soon.